Strawberries. I've always loved strawberries. I have a lot of fond memories. I remember going with my mom and we would pick strawberries and we would uh, come home, we'd have a carload of them and mom would make strawberry jam. We'd have strawberry cake, strawberry pie. We'd put strawberry on our ice cream. Sometimes we'd just sit around and eat strawberries till we couldn't eat anymore. A lot of fond memories. And I think about those fields and my mind goes to a couple, Myrtle and Lester uh, Scott. They planted strawberry fields. And they used the proceeds from those strawberries to bring evangelists to the area they lived in. And they had a real passion that people would know God, that uh, the community would bow and knee to God. That uh, passion that they had, it took them into full-time ministry in 1963. When they finally retired, they returned back to that property. And I know that their prayer uh, was that God would use them, would continue to use them, continue to use everything that they had. And those really were strawberry fields forever. Would you like to see where those fields are? Here, follow me. Strawberry fields forever. They, uh, you know, I've been uh, thinking a lot about uh, those strawberry fields. People will ask me uh, pretty, pretty often when they visit, uh, they'll go, well, when did Faith Fellowship start? And initially, I, I want to say that it was January 2005 was the first official gathering of Faith Fellowship. But then I get thinking about the strawberry fields that were first planted, 1946. In those fields, seeds were being sown. You know, God was working through a couple that really dedicated themselves to God. You know, God was working through a strawberry field. God was working through strawberries. You know, strawberries were being sown and grown. They were being cared for. They were being harvested and sold, and they were being leveraged to bring evangelists to the River Bend area. You know, strawberries were proclaiming the glory of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so in a real way, I think you could say Faith Fellowship started when those seeds were being sown, when those strawberry fields that, that were on the property probably sad about where our parking lot is. That's why we say strawberry fields forever. 
You know, strawberries, they're beautiful fruit, aren't they? they uh, they're just uh, something unique about them. They're, it's the first fruit that ripens in the spring. And the little tiny dots that are on it, those are seeds. You know, each uh, strawberry, this is a pretty good size one here, but uh, they have about 200 seeds on them. And I think that's important for us to know. See, because strawberries are in the DNA of Faith Fellowship. You know, that's why we say strawberry fields forever. You know, those seeds that were being planted back in 1946. You know, God, God heard a prayer of a couple. God was preparing the soil. God was paving the wave. I believe God had a purpose way back then. You know, God was working in that strawberry field. God was working, and God was in the strawberry business. You know, it all started with strawberry seeds that were being sown. You know, Jesus said, he said, but I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ready for harvesting now. Fact is, faith fellowship is here on purpose. It's here for God's purpose. And I believe that God put every one of us on this planet for a reason. God put you here for a reason. God created you for a reason. He put you here on purpose for a purpose. God has a plan for your life. And God wants to use you in ways that are way greater than you ever imagined. I mean, that's why God made you. Do you know that? And here's the problem I think most of us have is we get a mental block in our life. We, we hit the, this kind of emotional barrier and we keep saying, you know, how, how could God use me? God will use you. God will use you for a purpose, for his purpose. But you got to take some risks. In other words, you're going to have to change the way you think about everything. I believe that every great accomplishment, it starts with someone imagining something. It's an idea, a thought, a seed, before it becomes reality. You know, psychologists, they, they tell us that if you really want to live, you've got to learn to dream. If you have a dream, then you can do something. But if you don't have a dream, you just simply exist. And there are a lot of people just existing. Now, I believe that's true, but I don't think it takes us quite far enough because I think you need more than just any old dream. I believe you need God's dream for your life. What God put you here for. What God wants to use you for. And I'll ask people once in a while, I'll say, if God isn't using you, then what are you being used for? What are you being used for? You know, Scripture says, no one has ever seen. You know, now Paul, he is uh, he's pointing to Isaiah, words of Isaiah. He says, no one has ever seen, no one has ever heard, no one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Those strawberry fields, 1946, no one could see. No one had heard of faith fellowship. 
In fact, no one imagined what God was doing in those strawberry fields back then. And when I look at how God's hand moves, friends, it's quite amazing to me. And it's how God works. You know, God works that that way, and it'll work that way in your life and mine. You know, God wants us to be a part of those strawberry fields forever, you know, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, That's our mission. Growing in our faith. Why do we grow? So we can reach people for Jesus Christ, so we can reach people for God. That's why Faith Fellowship exists. You know, God, God's dream, I believe, for our lives is really just kind of mind-boggling. You know, whatever you think it is, it's greater than that. It's bigger than that. You, you can't imagine what God could do in your life and through your life if you just totally, completely surrendered yourself. If you just gave God your all, gave him everything. I mean, it would just be mind-blowing. Paul writes, he says, Now to him who by the power at work within you is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Strawberry fields forever. Paul says, amen. One of the greatest things that God's given you is the gift to imagine. The ability to to imagine, I think, is one of the things that set us apart from animals. You know, that you're made in the image of God. And so, like our creator, you are creative. You have the ability to, to imagine. You know, Napoleon said, uh, imagination rules the world. Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge And so what I want to talk about today is I want to spark your imagination a little bit. I want to stretch you. I want you to imagine how God could use you to make a difference in this world, make a difference in eternity. And I want to talk about the life of Joshua. And I believe by looking at his life, we can get a little bit of insight into how God would use us. Imagine that. One of the things that I believe we have to do is take a risk in our life, which means we have to face our doubts. Anybody have doubts once in a while? Yeah, I mean, doubt is one of the greatest enemies to God's dream for your life. You know, doubt, doubt is what limits your potential. I think doubt will cause you to procrastinate. It'll rob your future. It'll steal your future, actually. It'll cause you to miss the very best that God has to offer. In fact, some of you right now, as I'm saying this, you're battling with doubt. You know, in your mind, you're going, well, I doubt that God could use me in a great way. I mean, look at me. Some of you are starting to make a list already. All kinds of excuses of why God can't use you. You know, James writes this, he says, but when you ask, You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. See, doubt gets in our way. In fact, before you can be used in a great way, 
I believe you've got to deal with doubt. You've got to deal with the fact that you do doubt that God could use you in a significant way. I think Joshua had to deal with that issue in his life. He had to deal with issues of doubt. The Old Testament, it records the, the story, but you get the sense that Joshua is struggling with self-confidence, that he's struggling to, to believe. And I think for a couple reasons he, he's struggling. One, he's following Moses. Can you imagine? Think about that for a minute. How would you like to follow Moses? I mean, Moses that delivered the, the plagues. You know, Moses that, that was parting the sea. Moses that come down with the Ten Commandments from the mountain. Moses that delivered an entire nation from slavery. Moses that the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy was the greatest man that ever lived. Now, I'll be honest. If I was following Moses... I would have a lot of doubt. I mean, it would kick in big time. Can you imagine that? So I think that's one reason. I think another is that God gave him an assignment that was really daunting. I mean, basically, he's going to take a group of slaves that have been running around lost or wandering around in the desert for 40 years, and the assignment conquer the promised land. Take Palestine. You know, face off against seven larger, stronger enemy nations. Take the land. And so, so I think Joshua had a lot of doubt and fear. I mean, he was struggling with, with confidence at this point. He's on, on the verge of the campaign. He's on the verge of, of taking, taking the land He's standing on the banks of the Jordan River. He's ready to cross. He's ready to go into Palestine. He's ready to to take the land, which is where Israel is today, by the way. But the night before, God's given Joshua a pep talk. You know, four times in, in the first chapter of Joshua, God says to him, he says, be determined and be confident. God's telling Joshua, he says, you know, the first thing you've got to do, if I'm going to use you, Joshua, Joshua, you've got to let go of the doubts. You've got to trust me. Scripture says this, God's speaking to Joshua. He says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's a command. God says, I want you to get rid of discouragement. I want you to get rid of the doubt. I want you to be strong. I want you to be create, courageous in your life. And I know some of you are going, but that's really hard. Friends, doubt's a choice. Kind of like faith is a choice. You know, your attitude is a choice. It's a choice that you have to make. I am, I am always amazed when I talk to people that people believe their doubts and they doubt their beliefs. And it makes no sense to me. You know, I want to suggest that you doubt your doubts and you believe your beliefs. You know, when you doubt 
when you're discouraged, when fear kicks in, when you're thinking, oh, God can't use me, God can't use me, you got to push back. You got to push back and go, you know what? I doubt that. But I doubt the doubt. And I'm believing that God can do something. You know, God says, I'll help you. I'll use you. I want to work in your life. I want to make a difference. And I wonder, why is that so hard for us to believe? I mean, I think two, two main reasons kind of get in the way. One, comparing. You know, we get comparing ourselves. And when we do that, it causes a lot of doubt. You know, instead of looking to God, here's what we do. We look around. And when you look around, you know what you see? I see people that are more talented. I see people with more ability. I see people with more education, more experience, better positioned. And God says, don't do that. Don't do that. God uses ordinary people. God does not just use superstars. I mean, if if God only used superstars, there wouldn't be much done in this world. And if God used perfect people, nothing would get done. God uses ordinary people. God uses weak people. God uses people with problems. God uses people with mixed motivations, dysfunctional people, bizarre people, which means God can use you. And me. (laughs) God wants to use you. Don't compare yourself. And something else I think that causes self-doubt in people is we, we tend to replay our failures over and over and over and over in our minds. You know, I did that stupid thing back in 2010, and we just let it play, and it haunts us, and it digs at us, and it tears us down. Friends, why, why do we do that? When I read scripture, nowhere. God never focuses on the past. Never. You keep focusing on the past, you keep focusing on the mistakes in your life, you will never get on with the present and God can't use you in the future. It's just that simple. I mean, have you picked your Bibles up lately and read them? I mean, most of the leaders in the Bible and in Scripture, people that we look to and we go, these are people of faith, didn't exactly have great resumes. I mean, Moses, Moses was a murderer. You know, Jacob, he he stole his inheritance. David, an adulterer and a murderer. Paul was a religious terrorist. I mean, before God changed his heart, before God got involved. And, And what I'm saying is God doesn't care where you've been. The only thing that God cares about is where you're going in your life. You know, you have to face your doubts. You have to face your doubts. The second thing that you've got to do is plant God's promises in your heart. You know, the promise was key to Joshua's success. Thirteen times in the the book of Joshua, 
the word promise is used. It's kind of highlighted. Uh, we, we don't get it quite when we read it, but it really keeps pointing us to the promise. Joshua, he's standing on the, the banks of the Jordan. He's ready to start the campaign. God makes a promise to him. He says, I promised Moses that I would give you this land, so I will give you all the land wherever you go. God makes a promise, God keeps his promise. In other words, if God says he is going to use you, God will use you. If God says he's going to bless you, he will bless you. If God says he will protect you, he will protect you. God is a God of promises and he always comes through. Interesting, when you get toward the end of the chapter or the end of the book, Years later, Joshua, he's, he's very old at this point. He's about to die. He knows he's about to die. He's addressing the nation of Israel. And he's looking back, and it occurs to him that he has conquered all of Palestine at this point. And he says this to the people. He says, I will soon die, as everyone must. But deep in your hearts, you know that the Lord has kept, what's the word? Every, every promise, every promise he has ever made to you, not one of them has been broken. Do you want to be used by God? I want to challenge you to get in your Bible. Actually, read your Bible. You know, it is filled with promises. There are over 7,000 promises in God's word. It's kind of like a a blank check. It's waiting for you to cash in, to to realize that God's promising. You grow in your faith, and you stand on the promises of God. You know, Paul writes this. He says, now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask Or imagine. Friends, we need to plant God's promises in our lives, in our hearts. Why? So when you start to doubt, when you feel discouraged, some of you are discouraged this morning, you need God's promises. When you trip and fall, you remember them. They give you hope. They give you strength. You know, what's God's promise? Well, if you are to say to God, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be used for your purpose. God promises success. God promises to, to give Joshua success. You know, you read in, in Scripture, it says, be strong and brave. Be sure to obey all the teachings my servant Moses gave you. If you follow them exactly, you will be successful in everything you do. God says, you want to be successful? Serve me. When you serve me, you always know success. God, God you notice, doesn't want us to, to fail. In fact, twice in the chapter, 
there's a, a phrase that God speaks to, to Joshua. He says, you'll be successful. You will be successful. Whatever God asks you to do, God will give you the power to do it. He'll give you the strength to do it. Where God guides, God always provides. You know. Now, I want you to listen very carefully because this is a scripture that gets twisted and turned. God is not promising to make you successful at what you want to do. In fact, that's why a lot of you will fail and, and stumble in, in your life because you're doing what you want and not what God wants. You want to be successful? It's real simple. You figure out what it is that God wants you to do, and then you start doing it. And then you find success. If you're not succeeding, maybe, just maybe, you need to change course in your life. People ask me often about the church. They'll go, you know, are you surprised how it's grown and what, where you're at today? And I will usually say yes, but not terribly because I knew God had a plan. You know, when we started Faith Fellowship nine years ago, we knew that God was calling us to do ministry outside the box, you know, to create an environment that was easy for people to connect with God, to have that kind of environment where, where people, it was just, it was a simple move, doing whatever, in other words, to reach people for Jesus Christ. We were committed to that, and we understood what that meant. It meant that we would get really uncomfortable sometimes. And we also knew this. If we were faithful, if we committed ourselves completely, it would succeed. Friends, all we had was a promise. But it was enough. It was enough. Now I'm curious, wouldn't you like to have success in your life? Wouldn't you like for God to start using you in a great and mighty way? Well, first thing you've got to do, you've got to plant God's promises in your heart, which, which means you've got to study God's word and discover God's word and spend time so that, so that you're learning. Scripture says, always remember what is written in the book of the law. Speak about the book and study it day and night. I, I would interject, study God's word, scripture. Then you can be sure to obey what is written there. If you do this, you will be wise and successful in everything you do. That's a promise. That's an incredible promise from God. Now, just curious, anybody like to be successful at something? I mean, would you like to be wise? Because the Bible tells us that, I don't know if you notice it there, but success is not based on your ability. It's not based on your ability, but it's based on your commitment to God's word. You know, remembering God's word, studying God's word, obeying God's word, obeying God's word. Obeying. I made a decision early in my life 
God's word first. Faith fellowships committed to that. That's part of the planting, the promise in the heart. And then I think you can stand with the strength of God in your life. You know, that standing and allowing God to give you the strength, it's more than just saying, oh, I believe in God. It's really saying, I will trust you, God, to see me through whatever it is I'm going through. You know, it's total dependence on God. It's trusting God to guide you. It's trusting God to give you the strength. It's trusting God to protect you, to provide for you. God says to Joshua, he says, Joshua, I will always be with you and help you. Help you as I helped Moses. And no one will ever be able to, what? Defeat you. Friends, God says that to you. You can count on God's strength. Whatever you're going through, you're going through. As long as Joshua stood with the strength of God, Joshua was undefeatable. Joshua was victorious in battle as long as he relied on God and obeyed God. He accomplished the impossible. He beat the odds. And I wonder, when you look at your life, where are you looking for strength? Where are you getting your strength from? You know, Proverbs says this, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Trusting God, standing in God's strength. Friends, it's scary sometimes. It's uncomfortable many times. It is easy to start second-guessing yourself when you get part way in. You know, is God going to come through? Is God going to come through? I'm not sure about this. But friends, it's something you just commit yourself to, and God sees you through. And there comes a point you just got to get in the water just got to get in the water. There comes a point where you have to stop talking about it. You have to stop thinking about it. You have to stop praying about it. And you just have to step out and get in the water in spite of your feelings, in spite of the fear and the doubts and all that stuff that, that creeps in. Scripture says Joshua ordered the tribal leaders to go through the camp and tell everyone, in a few days, we will cross the Jordan River. To take the land that the Lord our God is giving us. It's a moment of truth for Joshua. He had to go for it. He had to lay it on the line at a point. And a- after they would cross that Jordan River, they would face some mighty, mighty battles. But they had to get across first. You know, the Jordan River, not, not real big. Probably about right at 100 feet where they crossed about 20 feet deep, except during flood season. It's right by the mountains. Those mountains, the snow would melt. It would come down, and the the Jordan River become this giant, rushing, torrential, very, very dangerous waters. This happened to be during flood season that they're going to cross. I don't think it's an accident. 
I think it was part of God's plan because I think God wanted them to look at that river and to be overwhelmed with what they were getting ready to cross. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I imagine people going, how are we getting across this thing? There aren't any bridges. No pontoon boats. They haven't invented jet skis yet. No ferries. And God speaks to Joshua, to the people. He says, I'm going to do a miracle like I did 40 years ago. Do you guys remember? You remember when you left Egypt? Remember when the enemy was bearing down on you? They're going to slaughter you? Do you remember when I parted the sea and you walked through to safety? I'm going to do it again. Only this time a little bit different. I mean, at, at the sea, if you'll remember, I opened the water up and you walked through. But this time, I want you to start walking first. And then at some point, I will part and hold back those waters. This is a test. So the spiritual leaders, they get out in front and they begin walking wishing they weren't leaders at that point. And God does a miracle. Waters rescind. And they crossed the Jordan. And they took the land. And I wonder, what's your Jordan River? You know, what is that thing that you can't get past? What is keeping you from taking that step? Because here's the deal. The first step's the hardest step. I mean, what do you do when you know something's God's will? What do you do when, when you know it's the right thing, but you're scared to death? What do you do? Well, friends, here's what you do. You do it anyway. In spite of your fears, you move against your fears. You fight your fears, and you jump in with courage, and you just take the step. You know, we waded into some very unknown waters, deep waters, when we started the One Campaign. You know, we have known for several years that, that our children, our youth, that they need more zone space, they need dedicated space. But as leaders, we didn't feel we were being responsible to take on additional debt. And so after a lot of prayer, a lot of thought, a lot of soul searching. God gave us a really crazy idea. Raise the money in cash for that building. $700,000 worth of cash. To me, that sounds a little bit like a dream. I mean, doesn't it? Now, we launched that right before the week before Thanksgiving. Here it is, mid-May. God has provided God has been faithful. And because of your faithful hearts, your sacrifices. You know, we've, we've got $550,000 in cash and commitments. And 475000 of it is in cash. I mean, in less than six months. And to me, that alone is a miracle. You know, it's more than we could have asked. More than we could have imagined. 
And I, I have prayed, and leaders of this church have prayed, and I know many of you have prayed, that God would somehow make a way. That God would open doors, you know, open windows, open vents, find a, find a crack somewhere. Just that somehow the remainder of that money would come in, and we're talking about $150,000 here. Well, get this. This is how cool God is. Recently, God moved in someone's heart. Someone outside this congregation. Someone that has a passion for, for planting seeds. Someone that has seen God working in and through faith fellowship. And that person asked, they said, how much more do you need to, to reach that goal? And we told them 150000 And they said, I'll give half of it. I'll give 75,000. Yeah. (laughs) They said, I'll give the 75,000 if you can raise the 75,000, the the right remainder of it by the end of July. It was a challenge. They said, we can do that. We will do that. But God is absolutely amazing how he works. He's always faithful. He's always working places you'd never imagine. Now, I want to say a couple things to to this. One, if, if you've made a commitment, but you haven't fulfilled the commitment yet, we still need you to do that. We're still, the rest of that 550,000 that's, that we're working on still has to come through. I've been thankful. This congregation, things have been steadily coming in, consistently. It's noted and it's appreciated. Now I want to talk about the challenge of 75,000 by the end of July is what we've been challenged with. I know that some of you have been sitting waiting until we get closer to the goal, you know, and that you're going to leverage in. Well, it's time to leverage in. And I know that some of you have already sacrificed. You've fulfilled your your commitments. And I am very, very thankful for that. But what I'm asking is that you consider another sacrifice. That you help us push to the goal. I mean, we're we're close. You know, some of you maybe got tax returns or stock or monies that has come in somehow. And, And to just leverage that. You know, you might, for some of you, it might mean spreading it out. Over the next 10 weeks, that's what we're talking about, 10 Sundays. And just say, you know what, I, I can give, and I can give regularly. There are uh, 54 pieces left in this puzzle. The, the blue part down there, that is what's been promised. That's been filled. 54 pieces, though. And I want you to think about uh, the fact that one, one piece is $1,400, all right? And so maybe you can give five pieces. Maybe you can give three pieces. Maybe you can give two pieces or one or a half a piece, but it's all needed. We need everyone on board. It's not about equal gifts. I'm always say this. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. And I would challenge you just to ask God what God wants to do through you. And then just do it. Just do it. If we all do that, we'll meet the $75,000 challenge. 
we will reach our goal. We'll break ground this fall. Uh, God, God is amazing, friends. I mean, it's all about sowing seeds. Sowing seeds in the lives of children, youth, families, now and generations to come. Strawberry fields forever. I mean, since we've been talking about strawberries today, anybody eyeing these up here? <laughs> well, I thought it'd be cool after the service, there's going to be strawberry cake out there and uh, everybody can have some and, and enjoy. But friends, I want you to think about, I want you to imagine what God can do through you, through your life, if you are totally and completely surrendered to him. You were made for a purpose. It's not an accident that you're here. God will use you. I can tell you from personal experience, there is no greater thrill on this planet than being used by God. And in fact, there's nothing that even comes close. You know, the verse, uh, we looked at it earlier, but I like the way that the, the message translated. And I'm gonna, we're going to close with this. Paul writes, he says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could have ever imagined or guessed or requested in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit, his Holy Spirit, deeply and gently within us. Friends, we serve an amazing God. And I marvel when I think about the strawberry fields that sat here. I think about that prayer of that couple that God would just use them, just use those strawberries to bring evangelists. Friends, think about the lives being changed by this church. God knew it way back then. God knew it before that, but uh, it was starting to take fruit way back then. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we, we praise you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for that couple that um, just wanted to see your word poured out in this community. God, I imagine there was celebration in heaven when... Uh, they realized Faith Fellowship was going to sit here. God, I pray that we would never forget how you work. Amazing ways your hand is working, even when we don't see it, even when we're just imagining. You're already working. God, I pray that you would continue to use this church, that you would continue to guide our steps, that everything we say and do would be pleasing in your sight. God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. And God's people said,